I'm, I'm Jay Harmon. I'm one of the pastoral elders here at New Life. And I, I want to talk about, I don't, I'm not usually a big one for, for titling sermons um, or messages. But this one I felt like I almost started. That's where, almost where God started this one for me. In, in terms of talking about not the usual suspects. And, and I want to share with you a story that maybe makes you think that I'm completely crazy. I, I think many of you know uh, we moved up here a couple of years ago. Uh, we spent a long time in our transition uh, looking for a, a church body where, where we just felt like we had fit, where we felt like God was calling us. And so we probably visited 30, 40 churches, I kid you not. And, and one of the things that we did as part of that transition is week in and week out, when we were going to a new place, I would go, I would spend part of my time that week preparing a message, right? A full-on 40-minute teaching, right? And part of that was because before we came up here, we had been pastoring a small church, and that was just part of the order of things for me, right? Part of my week was doing that. And part of it was honestly because, you know, things happen, right? Pastors get sick, People have babies, right, unexpectedly. People go to labor, and they're not. And so there was a part of me that said, you know what, I'm going to position myself to be ready just in case this church that we're going to, there is nobody else here on Sunday morning who's ready to share the word. And on one level, that sounds really stupid, right? Like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, Nathan was sick. You know, Aaron was like, I gotcha. I'll be the... I'm ready to go. And then I get a text from Aaron that, I can't remember if it was Saturday night or whatever, he said, listen, just in case, if Bonnie goes into labor, I'll text you, right? And that, fortunately, that didn't happen, right? But the reality was that was that Sunday we got to church, and I almost lost it sitting over here. I was so sick, right? So the backup to the backup to the, that's what I was preparing for week in and week out. You know, I thought about that coming in this morning, right? There's ice all over the parking lot. What if one of those pastors had walked in and slipped on the ice, hit his head? Who's, who's going to bring the word? I was ready. I was in this place of sort of continually preparing myself. And like I said, on some level, I get it. That sounds foolish. And maybe it was, right? Maybe it was. But something happened, right, over time. And all of those places that we went, right, nobody ever asked me to, to share the word, understandably. Nobody ever asked. It never came to that. And what happened over time is I stopped going through that exercise. I stopped preparing myself. I stopped positioning myself because there were other sort of usual suspects, right? There was a, a pastor. There was a worship leader. There, was, there were all of these folks who were going to be able to tend to things. And there was almost this picture of, they got this, but here's, here's the reality, right, is God, seems, God has this habit of using not the usual suspects all the time. Amen? Thank goodness. Because you know what? Most of us are not the usual suspects. Most of us are not the usual suspects. And so I want to look this morning at a really familiar passage of Scripture, but through a, a little bit different lens. So if you've got your Bible or if you need a Bible um, on your phone, your app, whatever you're using this morning, I'm going to be in Luke 10. And so in Luke 10, in verse 25, uh, starts the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
right? This is pretty, pretty familiar, pretty widespread. But what I want to look at this morning is how this plays out in terms of, of God pointing out, of God using not the usual suspect or suspects right, that he points to as, as the example here. Right? And so I think most of us know the, the beginning of this. There's a man, he's, going, uh, he's walking down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Right? It's a path that was pretty well known at the time for just being not a great place to be traveling. Right? And so this guy, he's making that journey, gets overtaken, he gets beaten up by some, some robbers, some thieves. Right? They steal basically everything he has, all of his uh, money, right down to his clothes. They beat him. They leave him. He's half dead, lying on the side of the road. And I'm going to jump over the, the, the beginning of this, right? The usual suspects here are the priest and the, and the Levite, right? Who are the, sort of the first ones on the scene. But that, those are not the, the men that Jesus is pointing at as the examples here. Right? Those guys would be the, the usual suspects, right? The guys who are trained specifically in ministry, the guys who are trained specifically to, to function in a certain way, right? That's not who Christ is pointing at here. And so I want to pick up in, in verse 33. Jesus says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn to take care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now it's really important to realize here that calling out as the example, as the model in this passage, a Samaritan was pretty mind-blowing. Right? There's a deep-seated hatred, generational animosity between Jews and Samaritans. And so Christ is holding up in this parable not the usual suspect in a way that I don't think we really can even fathom. Right? The example here is not the highly trained guy. The example here is about as far from what we would picture or guess as you could possibly get. And like I said, I don't know about you, but that's more my MO. Right? I'm not the usual suspect. If you were going to build a team, I'm probably not your first choice. Most of us probably aren't the first choice. See, this is how our God works. Hold your, hold your finger in Luke and flip over just real quick. To 1 Corinthians 1. This is how our God works. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. 
right? Today, if you're sitting there and you feel like, you know what, I am not the usual suspect to be called to, to be part of, right, a ministry at church or a mission team going to Miami or going to serve in, you know, in, in Bosnia, I'm not the usual suspect. You know what I would say? You are in prime position for God to do something. You know, last week, Nathan talked a lot about, right, the body and coming together and the importance of us working and using giftings and to be able to see the body grow up into to maturity. But I think the reality is, if we're really honest, some of us are, are still sorting through what is, I don't know what my gifting is exactly, right? I know some things I might be good at. I know some things I'm interested in. And I think what makes this example in the Good Samaritan so powerful is he's not relying on this guy's gifts, right? And I, wanted, I really want to dive into this the rest of the time that we have. He's not relying on gifting. And so if you're in that place this morning of saying, I don't know what my gift is, right? Nathan said last week, I wholeheartedly agree with him. Every single person in this room, you ha- you, God has given gifts. Right? Scripture says he gives gifts without repentance, right? It's not a matter of if you have them. The issue is which one do you have, and how is God calling you to use it? But even before that, I think there's, this, uh, there's a fundamental foundational piece that sort of undergirds that truth that Nathan brought out last week. But a Samaritan, not the usual suspect, not the one that you would pick to lead this work, not the one that you would expect, probably not even the one that you would want to see. Right? If you're this guy beaten and robbed and lying half dead on the side of the road, you're sort of thinking to yourself, eh, maybe this really isn't so bad. I'd almost rather be here than have that guy help me. But this is what happens. That Samaritan came to, to where the man was, and it says when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now this is the, you know, my translation doesn't do a good job here, right? The, the word there, the phrase there, Right, has nothing to do with pity. Right? The word here is he had compassion on him. That what he's operating out of here is not personality. That what he's operating out of here is not gifting or talent. That what he's operating out of here is a place of compassion. This word only shows up in the New Testament 12 places. Right? 11 if you take this one away. Right, the other places where this showed up, in Matthew 9, where it says Jesus looked out and he saw the masses and he perceived that they had no shepherd and it says he had compassion on them. Same word. Right? So in that case, the identification, the, the other person operating in this same place is Christ himself. In Matthew 14, it says that they kept bringing sick people to him and it says that he healed their sick and he had Compassion on them. Christ. When he fed the 4,000, it says that he looked out and he saw and he had compassion on them and he fed them. Right? He performed a miracle on their behalf. In Matthew 20, the story about giving sight to the blind was because he had compassion on them. In Matthew 18, I think it is, the story about the king who forgives the huge debt. Right? That's not directly about Christ, but it certainly is a parable about a king right, forgiving a great debt, that's a picture of Christ, right, the man who was never going to be able to repay that debt. And it says the king had compassion on him, and he canceled the debt. 
In Mark 1, when he cleansed the leper, it was because Jesus had compassion on him. Right? In Mark 6, when he fed the 5,000, right? this is separate from when he fed the 4,000, it says that he did that because he was having compassion on them. When he healed the boy with the unclean spirit in Mark 9, it was because he was having compassion. And the last one is the story of the prodigal son. When the father sees his son returning and he's still a long ways off, and rather than waiting for him to get all the way home, it says that the father had compassion and he ran to him. That's a picture of Christ. And he's saying, this Samaritan man, a generational enemy of the, the guy who's beaten lying in the ditch, exercised that same compassion to walk over and to tend to him, to not just see him, but to enter into that, to minister to him, even as an unusual suspect, not because of a, of a gifting or a talent or a calling or a training or a position, but because he had a life that was identified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 talks about, I've been crucified in Christ, and I no longer live, but the life I live, I live by the faith in the Son of God. That's what this guy is doing. This passage makes no mention of this guy being flowing in a, in a ministry of helps, of flowing in a ministry of healing. The truth of it, if you read this closely, this Samaritan, there's no record that he even talks to the guy. He talks to the innkeeper. There's nothing in here that they had a conversation. But boy, it sure looks like he was ministering Christ to me. I want you to hear my heart this morning. I'm not, I'm not in any way trying to undo or, or stand against what Nathan taught last week. Right? We need each other as the body. And I need you to be functioning in your gifts and you need me to be functioning in my gifts. But here's the truth of the matter. Okay? Even while you're sorting that out, we all still have an opportunity to be unusual ministers just by identifying our lives with Christ. I don't need a certain position I don't need a certain title. I don't need a certain job. I don't need a certain type of house. I need a life identified in Christ, hidden in Christ. That's what I need more than anything. Right? My gifts are going to come out of that place. Right? My callings are going to manifest out of that place. The Samaritan guy, he's, he, he takes pity. He has compassion on him. He goes and he says he went to him. Again, I think the picture here continues, right? Our God is a God who saw us and came. He went to us. He came to us. He didn't stand afar off. He didn't cross on the other side of the road. Right? I don't think we're probably supposed to have favorite doctrines in the faith, but I'll tell you what, for me, the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, if I had to pick, that's probably my favorite. And this guy is saying, my heart here is the same. I'm not going to, I can't just walk away. Right? The same way that God couldn't walk away from you. He couldn't walk away from me. Right? We sing that song about leaving the 99. He couldn't help himself. Right? He had to step into that mix. And it says that he poured out oil and wine. He bandaged this guy up. Right? Here's what I want to tell you. I don't want to be overly symbolic. I don't want to be overly dramatic. Okay? 
I believe here in this pic- that this is a picture, right, of wine is a picture of ministering, right, the blood of Christ. It's a picture of ministering the gospel, right, the reality of Christ's shed blood cleansing us, right, atoning for us, paying for us, right, almost always the oil that would go with that to help heal and, and close up and restore this unlikely, un, unusual, unsuspecting minister of the gospel used what he had with him where he was. Right? He poured out oil and wine. And the reality is, right, we heard it this morning, our kids in Christ are carrying with them into our schools oil and wine, and they're pouring it out. My question is for us, right, even as we're sorting out giftings and callings and how am I going to contribute, the truth of the matter this morning is, and I, and I want to stir you up in this, I want to make you a little bit uncomfortable in this. If you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with Christ that says, you're Lord and I'm not, I believe that you paid for my sins, I believe that your provision on the cross was enough, I know that I needed healing and I know that I needed cleansing and I believe that you are the only one who can do that for me. If that is the relationship that you have with the Lord, then guess what? You carry wine and oil with you everywhere you go. I don't care if you're not gifted in evangelism. I don't care if you're not gifted in healing. You carry with you the blood and the oil. I don't care if you're not a full-time pastor. You see, our God set it up so that he is very interested in using unusual suspects. The real question for us is, one, are, are we aware of that? And two, what are we going to do with it? Right? The truth is, there's a lot of people who've gotten beaten up and battered who are all around us. Right? It's a picture of sin touching people's lives. Right? The reality is, right, I'm one of those people. And if we were all going to tell the truth, you all are those people. But I also carry, and so do you, the ministry of the gospel the power of his Holy Spirit, the grace of his Holy Spirit, the healing that comes along with that, and the ability to redeem and restore. We carry that with us, regardless of what your giftings are, your callings are, regardless of whether you open your mouth when you use them. As a body, you guys, as a church family, we've got to break out of the idea right, that we're only on part of the time. We've got to break out of the idea that Nathan and Corey, because they're pastors, are the only ones who can do certain, you know, I can't, go, I, can't go to, I can't go to the hospital to pray for somebody. That's what the pastor does. You, you carry the same oil and wine they're going to carry. Now listen, this, this is not a message to take away from those guys. This is a message of us adding to those guys. Hear my heart here. We're setting ourselves up and we're setting them up for failure, for a world of hurt. You carry wine and oil. So do I. We've got to continue to position ourselves, continue to present ourselves, to continue to, to prepare. The truth of the matter is, I don't. I don't do that. I did this week because I knew I was supposed to teach. I didn't last week because I knew Nathan was going to teach. 
I probably won't ne next week because I don't know who's teaching. Probably Nathan. There's a lot of places to pour out wine and oil that aren't up here. You're never without those. No matter where you go, you're never without those. And, and the truth is, it doesn't matter if you spend hours pouring those things out. Guess what? They will resupply. Nathan texted me last night. He said, how you feel? I said, good. This could be a little heavy. I hope this doesn't feel heavy. My hope this morning is that you realize, right, I don't have to wait until I realize that God's given me a particular gift before you start saying, you know what, God, I'm going to step out and I'm going to minister. I'm going to position myself to be used, even if it's not the area that I think I'm gifted in. I've decided I've committed. It'll be coming up on almost a year now, right? If somebody is sick, if somebody comes and says, I need prayer, I've got something. I don't care what it is. I want to be part of the group praying for them. I don't believe I have the gift of healing. But at every opportunity, what I've said to the Lord, and honestly, is to say, Lord, I'm willing to whiff fantastically on the chance that if I do what this guy did, that somebody might see and be healed. That's all it is, is just positioning and pouring out. You don't have to pour out what you have. You pour out what he gave you and then leave the rest to him. All that requires is, of us is identifying our lives in Christ. I say it like that's easy. That's not easy. Right? But that's what we're called to. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I'm so glad that you do not limit or restrict who you would use the same way that I tend to view things. Lord, that as you call us, as we, as we enter into relationship with you, Lord, that you fill us. Lord, that you make us ministers of the gospel. Lord, here at New Life, that you would continue to uh, arouse this thing in us. Lord, to not wait, to not hold back until the, the usual suspects arrive. But Lord, that we would join with those usual suspects. Lord, to see all that you have for us, for each other come to be. Lord, that we'd position ourselves, that we'd prepare ourselves, Lord, to pour out that which you've given us. Lord, that you'd make us ministers of oil and wine. Lord, that we'd, like you said, that we would bind up, Lord, the brokenhearted. Lord, let us be a people that walk in this in, in a greater and greater measure. Lord, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I want to say, as much as I'm trying to, to stir us up, I'm, I'm keenly aware this morning that some of us probably feel a little bit more like the guy on the side of the road than the Samaritan ministering. What I would say to you is if you're in that place, if you feel like you've been beaten up and, and, and robbed and knocked down, and is, don't leave here until somebody has a chance to, to minister with you, to pray with you, right, to pour out to you. Don't leave this place. Lunch will wait. Let God minister to you today. So if you're in that place, find, a, find an unusual suspect and ask him to pour out. Ask him to do a little bandaging. Ask him to do a little bandaging. It's good for you, and it's good for us. Amen. You're dispersed. Go and be the church.